0: From Washington, D.C. and around the world, this is Government Matters with Francis Rose. Thanks for watching Government Matters, the only show covering the latest news, trends, and topics that matter to the business of government. I'm your host, Francis Rose. Overstock.com is withdrawing its protest on the General Services Administration e Marketplace Pilot Awards. Overstock complained the contract term, the contract included ambiguous terms when it filed a pre-award protest. FedScoop reports without other setbacks, GSA can now award the pilot contract. Amazon Web Services wants more procurement documents for its lawsuit over the Defense Department's Joint Enterprise Defense Infrastructure contract. The case already includes more than 1,000 pages of documents, but AWS says the record is still missing materials. FCW reports government attorneys say AWS still needs to connect the dots between the president's tweets and public statements. U.S. Transportation Command says the new cybersecurity maturity model certification will improve supply chain security. Transcom Commander General Stephen Lyons tells the Senate Armed Services Committee commercial suppliers are, quote, defenseless against persistent threats. FCW reports Lyons believes cyber hygiene has, quote, improved significantly. General Services Administration's had some problems with the rollout of beta.sam.gov. The agency says it's fixing problems and improving its information resources to help people use it better. Roger Waldron's president of the Coalition for Government Procurement. Roger, it's great to see you, my friend. Thanks for coming in. Francis, thank What's your you. sense of the biggest issues that your members and other contractors have had with the rollout of beta.sam.gov?
1: Well, I think the biggest issue that, that that I'm hearing about is the search capability mm-hmm. um, and the ability to save searches um, as well as the ability to get notifications, which is kind of the heart of, you know, the program in terms of the transparency and making folks aware of potential opportunities in mm-hmm. the procurement process. I think those two things um, are what I've heard a lot about. Um, you know, we have to put this in context, too, is that uh, GSA is – you know moving forward and and i believe putting the integrated in the integrated award uh environment mm-hmm. um you know this began back in the egov days if you remember those francis back yes. in the 2000s i remember sitting in gsa staff meetings when we were talking about uh what was then called the integrated acquisition environment mm-hmm. and think, and looking at how how we were going to build that out so it's a journey and there's change brings increased cost you have to learn a new system um and that's part of I think the frustration with industry as well. Um, but uh, those two things that I th- and GSA has acknowledged those those areas need to be addressed. And I think they're may focusing on it. For example, one of the things is you 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 can't name your search mm-hmm. right. You get this random ID number. So and if you get a notification, you've got to check every one of those because you don't you know it's a random number. Yeah. And you don't know. So you've got to check all of them. That takes time. That takes time from your job. So you know. Adding that kind of capability, I think, would be, um, is what GSA, I think, is going to focus on. I
0: wonder if the biggest problem here, Roger, was that maybe they put beta.sam.gov out, because it's a beta, it says right in the title it's a beta, Um, if they took, was taking FedBizOps completely away before... They've put this up for people to use. I mean, you, yeah. it's not like you could go, well, this isn't working quite right. Here's my feedback, and now I'll go back to FedBizOps and do what I always did.
1: Right. They, well, yeah, I think they could have done a bit better job of uh, the communication outreach to industry mm-hmm. before the launch. Um, you know, but that being said, you know, they, you know, they've moved to the new system. Another issue I think folks have had is to the extent they had saved uh, searches in FedBizOps those were gone mm-hmm. in, the new, um, in, in the new system, um, addressing those kind of things. But I, th- but I will say GSA has been very proactive since the launch um, you know, with outreach to industry, meeting with industry. The Learning Center, I think, is a great resource up on the site. Uh, you know, for example, the GSA did a webinar uh, through the coalition that was open to anybody in the public who wanted to sign up and, and listen, and they did a demo, um, which was, very, I think, very helpful. We got a lot of positive feedback from the folks who listened in and as a good educational tool.
0: So where do we go from here, Roger? What would you like to see GSA do to improve the experience for users here? What are the things that and it may involve things that people aren't asking for yet, It may also involve not doing things that people are asking for because it's not necessarily a core function.
1: Well, I returned back to the search Mm -hmm. um, to me, and I, I used to use FedBizOps, and you know this is a this is an improvement. Mm -hmm. You know, there's aesthetic issues. There's some, you know, it's it's two steps forward, one step back, and Mm -hmm. any kind of rollout of a system, um, it's you know the old system was very click heavy. Um, you know this this system has a much better user interface but the search capability the ability to name searches that gets to the heart of what and what i've heard from our members in terms of you know being able to identify those potential opportunities focusing on that um, you know keep the you know ke- the next step that's coming out is um, you know fpds mm-hmm. in march um, you know i think that that is a huge deal um, I, and then, then uh... and how You know, that is rolled out, um, between that and and the rollout of of the current system, those two things, the ability to see opportunities versus, you know, and be able to track where the awards came in FPDS, um, that's going to be a huge deal. Um, And just an aside, another area where I think that GSA is focusing on and it's sort of underreported um, is schedules consolidation. Mm-hmm. In that area, um, as they move to a single contract and they go from 900 line items to 300 line items, all the systems have to be adjusted as well. Mm-hmm. So companies are very interested in how GSA Advantage is going to be updated, how eBuy is going to be updated, how GSA library is going to work, so, and that's important for the customer agencies as well as the contractors. That's just under the radar. That's going to be a big issue to focus on through the rest of this year
0: uh, as well. We, we have about a minute left, Roger. Back to beta.sam.gov. Sure. Help me get at the crux of the issue. Has this been a major inconvenience, a big headache, or has this really cost people money over the last couple of weeks because they weren't able to see things that maybe they had a shot to get? That, or somewhere in between? I think maybe. it's somewhere in between. It's hard. I mean, you know, you know, I've heard frustration.
1: I've heard folks being late to the game and not being able to see things. How widespread that was or is without doing like a deep dive and doing a survey of some sort amongst uh, you know, the, the companies out there, you don't get a sense of it. I know there's frustration with, with the initial rollout. Um, I know there's been you know, some positive feedback from our members uh, in terms of GSA's outreach and, and attempts to try to address
0: some of the concerns that industry has had. Roger Waldron, thanks as always. Great to see you. Thank you, Francis. Up next, implementing new technology at GSA straight ahead on Government Matters, a status report on the Centers of Excellence. You're watching WJLA 24-7 News. Labor Department's the latest to join the General Services Administration's Centers of Excellence program. The Technology Transformation Service will work with labor to incorporate robotic process automation into the agency's acquisition shop. Steve Babbage is head of the Artificial Intelligence Portfolio at TTS in the General Services Administration. Steve, welcome. It's good to have you on the program. What are you. some of the important AI initiatives that you're working on right now? Yeah, so I think there's a couple of things.
2: Um, obviously, artificial intelligence, has the power to be transformative in many aspects of our lives. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know whether that's uh, driving more efficiencies, uh, helping make better decisions, providing greater insights, I think that's something that's a huge opportunity for the federal government. Uh, in terms of some of the efforts that are underway following the uh, AI executive order last year, uh, we're doing a few things. And so GSA has stood up uh, and has established a focus on AI, mm-hmm. and there's a couple of facets to that. One is the center of excellence, the AI center of excellence. And that one is focused uh, primarily on the implementation and delivery and helping federal or federal agency partners actually execute and implement uh, and plan for invest in AI. Mm -hmm. The other significant part of that is the AI portfolio and the the AI community of practice. And so really that serves as a mechanism to accelerate uh, and provide guidance and share Um, use cases, lessons learned, best practices that we can collect from the work that we're doing, Mm -hmm. as well as then from other agency partners, and then disseminate that back out. And so there's a real thirst for that kind of of knowledge. Uh, But those are are two big areas.
0: A lot of buzz around the AI Center of Excellence when it was announced for two reasons, I Mm -hmm. think. Number one is that the two previous COEs went to organizations that were perceived to really need a lot of help Quickly. Mm -hmm. That's not the case with the Jake. They obviously are experts in what they're doing and proceeding in a very healthy path. Mm. I think the other one was that it was an interaction with the Defense Department. This is the first time a COE interacted with a Defense Department agency. What's your sense of what the roadmap looks like from the GSA perspective in that collaborative partnership with the Jake?
2: Yeah, the the Jake is certainly an important um, uh, endeavor that we're working on right now. I think that started back in September last year. And so, overall, what we're trying to do with the Jake is. Um, essentially use again the lessons learned that we've got so far but take other sort of modern methodologies like even human-centered design, lean uh, uh, methodologies, agile methodologies and really just leverage data as a strategic asset mm-hmm. and then help um, expand the adoption of AI across the Department of Defense. So that's overarching what we're doing at the Jake. Within that there's a couple of lines of effort. One is uh, one is sort of more technical in nature and then the other is on the acquisition side. Mm-hmm. On the technical side, there's the joint common foundation. And so what the, the AI COE team is doing is providing technical analysis uh, to help um, establish a modern dev sec ops environment and by doing so support AI and ML product uh, uh, development. Mm-hmm. And so then the second side of it is around acquisitions. And here, again, as we try to do more agile uh, acquisition processes, sort of modernize those, one of the things we're doing is convening different stakeholders that really need to come together to make sure that we're aligned on what are the objectives we're trying to achieve mm-hmm. and from there the statement of work and the actual activities fall from that. Mm-hmm. And so a big part of doing that is making sure we've got the right stakeholders at the table and so generally that means folks from acquisition, the technical side, the business side, leadership, all gathering around to make sure are we speaking the same language, mm-hmm. are we sort of on the same page in terms of what that objective and roadmap looks like.
0: What are the issues that the acquisition people raise the most as maybe the the hurdles that they might have to overcome to help agencies, help organizations get this, to write the statements of work, write the requirements, and all those kinds of things?
2: Uh, it's a great question. I, th- uh, I mean one of the things we're, I think we're seeing is on the acquisition side, there's just a lack of understanding of the technical components of mm-hmm. it. And so when you've got these different sort of, maybe they're silos, it depends on how uh, isolated they may or may not be. But I think it's just, again, finding what the other is trying to actually convey and, and mm-hmm. achieve. And I think the, the, acquisition fo- the acquisition folks can really benefit from seeing how those, uh, the technical side sees the, the sees it from their vantage point. You
0: mentioned the community of practice. What's your vision for what a successful community of practice in AI looks like at some point in the future, a year, two years out? Sure. Um,
2: I think right now we're still in the relatively early days, but in the long term, I think one of the things they're, I think, thirsting for is a a sense for what is all the activity that's happening in federal government? Mm -hmm. What are all the use cases that uh, one agency might be working on that may be applicable to another agency. And so over time, I think if we provide a, a pretty sound sense of what that landscape looks like, And that builds a lot of connections and saying, oh, you're doing that in agency X? That is absolutely applicable in my agency as well. Mm -hmm. I think that's a huge win and benefit for us. And so we're starting to sort of build um, towards that right now.
0: We have about 30 seconds left. Who are the right people within an agency to participate in that? Some agencies have AI point people. Not every agency does. So who should be participating in that in the meantime to understand what you're talking about there? I think we're trying to be as
2: inclusive as possible And so you've got maybe a few different tiers. The the leadership level, so CIO, CDO, CTO, we absolutely welcome them to be part of it. Mm -hmm. They're helping to drive how to to think about and invest in AI. You've also got that practitioner and program management level. They're the ones sort of overseeing the different Mm -hmm. projects. We need them uh, in the mix as well. And then you've got sort of the day-to-day work, the working level, like actually getting it done, so on the technical side and beyond. So I think We need all of them coming to the table, and I think that's just,
0: we're trying to sort of reach all of them right now as much as we can. Steve, it's great to have you here. Thanks for coming on. My pleasure. Up next, a big budget boost for the Internal Revenue Service. Straight ahead on Government Matters, what do the agency's employees and every federal employee really need? Don't forget, if you miss an episode of Government Matters, you can find it on our website, govmatters.tv. We'll be right back. Welcome back. The Internal Revenue Service wants a 4.6 percent budget increase from Congress in fiscal 2021, but the White House's budget doesn't include or includes a pay raise of one percent after last year's much bigger increase. Tony Reardon is the president of the National Treasury Employees Union. Tony, welcome back. Uh, You have a different idea than the White House does, it sounds like, for a pay raise for federal employees for this year.
3: Not surprisingly, you're (laughs) right, uh, Francis, we we do. Um, Actually, you know, from our perspective, 1% does not even begin uh, to really reach what uh, federal employees uh, deserve. Mm -hmm. Um, Clearly, when you look back, you know, over the years with uh, pay freezes and, um, you know, really sort of meager pay increases, certainly... The uh, 3.1 uh, that they got this year is is on the right track. Mm-hmm. Um, we're looking and supporting in 20 in 2021 a 3.5 percent pay increase. You know, one of the things, uh, Francis, I sit on the federal salary council, and when you look at the difference between. Um, Those in the private sector, what they're earning for similar jobs um, against that of federal employees, it is a 26.71% difference, and federal employees are on the short end of that. Mm -hmm. That, in my view, is unacceptable um, for our country.
0: Sometime I need to have you come in and spend the entire time focused on the public sector, private sector disparity, because everybody seems to look at it a different way, and there are a lot of different it's it's been sliced a lot of different directions, so we should have that conversation. I, I, I would, at some I would point. love
3: to participate in that conversation.
0: What do you see when you look overall at the IRS budget? I mentioned the increase that the White House is asking for. It looks like a
3: lot of that though goes toward modernizing the IT infrastructure at the IRS. Yeah, that's absolutely true, Francis. And you know, when you when you look at it. Um, even in comparison um, against the IRS budget in 2010, mm-hmm. it still is more than $600 million short of that. So so what does that ultimately mean? Well, here's what it means, uh, for example. Um, also in comparison to 2010, the IRS has lost 29,000 employees. So when you look at any organization losing uh, something on the order of uh, – 20 percent of its uh, of its staff it's pretty difficult to function and I and I will also add what always um, continues Francis to to boggle my mind is this Um, when you recognize that the IRS is the organization in this country that brings in 94 percent of our government's revenue Mm -hmm. it just does not make sense and I can't get my mind around how we will not apparently, fund the IRS the way it needs to be funded.
0: How much of that attrition over the last decade do you attribute to the funding problems, to just cuts, and how much do, do you attribute to automation efficiencies the organization might have gained, other types of efficiencies that the IRS can perform similar functions and just do it without as many people?
3: Well, um, you know, I don't know exactly what those numbers are, mm-hmm. um, and I would, I think, probably be silly to suggest that... Um, you know, there isn't something that you can attribute to efficiencies, but I think the vast majority, candidly, Mm -hmm. um, is uh, related to the uh, lack of lack of funding, Mm -hmm. without question.
0: You represent 33 agencies, employees at 33 agencies, not just the Internal Revenue Service. As you look across the landscape beyond the pay raise, what are the other things that you think are important to note about the budget request for this year?
3: Well, I think, you know, um, uh, maybe first and foremost after the pay raise is the attack really on um, federal employee benefits. You know the 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 fact that um, the president's budget is really seeking to uh, reduce um, what it is that federal employees will get in retirement. Mm-hmm. You know they're going to have to contri- uh, contribute more, um, but get not one dollar more when they actually retire. Mm-hmm. The loss of um, the COLA for federal uh, retirees is a huge problem and 20 years down the road will put many federal employees um, in a uh, position of poverty. So, so attacking federal uh, benefits, wanting uh, federal employees to pay more for their health insurance is a, is a huge issue. Um, as we just talked about funding and, and staffing and it's not only um, at IRS, it's a it's a major problem. For example, at CBP, where um, CBP is short 2,000 CBP officers, many many agriculture specialists, about 721 agriculture specialists, at a time when we're looking at coronavirus, for example, mm-hmm. and we're concerned about what's happening on our borders in term and, and our ports of entry with people coming in, and we need a lot of uh, folks working and, and able to do a good job there. Um, that's 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 troubling to me around the changes to the benefits package is there any room for
0: a new we have sirs we have FERS. is there room for another one where the people who currently have a deal basically with the federal government where that's not changed but new folks who come in have a, a different package that leans more toward what the administration is proposing? Or well, is the way that it is the way that it should be?
3: Well, since 2010, the contribution amount for um, federal retirees has increased on two different occasions mm-hmm. for incoming employees. And um, so in my view, it is just wrong-minded to uh, look at changing what it is that federal uh, retirees are getting um, in their retirement. These are folks that, and I will tell you, you know, I, I travel around the country and talk to a lot of federal employees, talk to a lot of different citizens. And there is this view um, that federal retirees retire with these, this huge retirement. They're going to have this mansion overlooking the river with a boat down at the dock. Mm-hmm. And that is absolutely false. This is a, what they have now is a uh, fair, modest retirement, and we should continue to, uh, uh, to provide that. Tony Reardon, thanks as always.
0: Appreciate it. If you've missed the show or you're on the go, you can stay plugged in on issues that matter to the business of government. Government Matters is available now as an audio podcast. You get it on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, SoundCloud, and TuneIn, or just ask your digital assistant to play the Government Matters podcast. I'm back in two minutes. The West Conference celebrates 30 years of bringing military and industry leadership together this year. It features uniformed and civilian leadership and three engagement theaters that cover a lot of different topics. It's happening next week at the San Diego Convention Center, March 2nd and 3rd. You can find out more and register at govmatters.tv slash events. That's the latest from Washington. Join me weeknights at 8 and 11 on WJLA 24-7 News and Sunday mornings at 1030 on ABC7 to stay plugged in on issues that matter to the business of government. Government. Thanks for watching. I'm Francis Rose.
3: Thanks for listening. Our daily program is produced by Cherise Hanner and Ashley Gallagher. Christy Marriott leads our technical crew. Our web editor is Andrew Wagner. Government Matters was created by George Jackson. Visit govmatters.tv for articles, videos, and more, including our first feature-length documentary, The Dawn of Generation AI. Government Matters is recorded at WJLA-TV in Washington, D.C. Copyright Sinclair Broadcast Group.